Hello and welcome to episode 9 of series 4 of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. This is the show for employee engagers and internal communicators who like to keep up to date with all that is new in our profession. My name's Craig Smith from The Big Picture People. Welcome to this 97th episode of the show. We're coming up to our 100th episode, which we'll be celebrating in a few weeks' time. Um, We're looking for guests. If anyone's interested in being on the show, particularly if you're working inside an organisation, if you have a corporate role within an organisation, really looking to get some insights as to what are some of the current trends, particularly how organisations are using a lot of the new opportunities thrown out by by hybrid working and also a lot of the new channels that we're hearing about. So if, if that's something you're working on within your organisation, organization and you're employed by that organization i'd love to find out from you and get you on the show so please uh, please please step forward we've we've had a lot of guests like that in the past um we also are looking to encourage our listeners to get some of more of their colleagues to listen to the show we've uh, we've had a few people who've said if only i'd known about the show there's so much content in there or nearly 100 episodes um that i would have started listening to it sooner so if you know anyone in your network who'd benefit from listening to the show as you know we don't have any ads we're not trying to promote anything we're not trying to push anything we're very much a, an altruistic program please share it with your network and uh, anybody else who you think might be interested there's there's lots of goodness going back there nearly three years worth of content so uh, yeah please share that with them um Coming up in the next couple of episodes, we have on the 9th of May, I've got an interview with Lena Scullard. Lena's going to be telling us all about how we can get our communications to be more responsive and less reactive. And particularly, she's going to be linking that to some behavioral psychology tools and techniques that we can use in our communications. So I think you'll find that interesting. And then the week after, uh, sorry, two weeks after that, on the 25th of May, I have an interview with Kimberly Weefling. Kimberly is going to be telling us all about how we can connect our mission to our results often there's a bit of a disconnect between the the vision and the values and the mission statement that we have uh, around our businesses and what it is that people are doing at the front line the actual kpis and measures that they're using and kimberly's going to be sharing some some of her expertise that she uses to help us to understand how we can connect those together so i think you'll find that a useful interview so anyway i'm going to move on to uh, this episode's interview and let you have a listen to that thank you A term that we're more familiar with since the pandemic is the concept of psychological safety. For me, psychological safety is all about how we can help people to create a sense of feeling okay psychologically and feeling safe within a very, very messy and rapidly changing world. So this is a topic that I've wanted to visit for a long time to see how we as internal communicators, employee engagers, organizational development professionals can increase the level of psychological safety within our organizations and for the individuals within it. So that's what we're going to be exploring today in this interview, and we're going to be looking at a number of different issues. First of all, defining psychological safety. I've given you my definition there, but the many other equally valid ways of of, of defining it and also to, to look at the consistency amongst some of those definitions. We're going to be looking at the business case. So 
things like psychological safety and and particularly when we look at it from a mental well-being perspective have been very more openly talked about since the pandemic but is there a business case for for, for psychological safety and increasing psychological safety in our organizations we're going to look at that we're going to look at what tools and techniques are available to us uh, on an individual team level but also an organizational level and finally we're going to look at the impact of remote and virtual working which is all more prevalent in our organizations now and the impact that that's had on psychological safety and also the uh, whether we can mit- mitigate some of the downsides of that and also if we can increase some of the upsides of that new way of working that we've all had to become accustomed to. So that's what we're going to be looking at in this interview, the whole idea of how we can create psychological safety in a messy world. I hope you find this a useful interview. My guest today is Stefan Wiedner. Stefan works with thousands of coaches in hundreds of cities and helps organizations equip their leaders and high high potentials with the tools required to navigate today's rapidly changing business environment. With his team at Numi, Stefan measures and what is most important for team effectiveness, and that is psychological safety, which is what we're going to be exploring in today's interview. So hello, Stefan. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me, Craig. My pleasure, my pleasure. And just for the listeners, whereabouts in the world are you? Where are you based at the at the moment, or where are you based for all the time? I guess <laughs> whether it's just at the moment or not. I'm in Western Canada, near Vancouver. Fantastic. So there's a big time difference. We just talked about that before the interview. You're uh, probably uh, yeah, well, other than uh, sort of the Far East and Australia, it's probably the furthest we can get in terms of time difference. So uh, yeah, so thank you very much for your early morning and my kind of relatively late afternoon. Uh, good, good to good to be able to hook up. It's amazing, uh, isn't it? So um, yeah. I'm really interested, Stefan, this is a topic that's very close to to my heart and I have my own kind of take on this, but I'm really interested on yours and I'm sure there's a lot of overlap about what what, what we we both perceive as what psychological safety is all about. But before we dive into the topic, it'd be great to know a little bit about you. Um, you I mentioned a little bit about Numi and your work now, but also what's led you to, to this point in your life doing what you're doing now. Great question. Uh, uh, Like many, I started my career in university. I graduated with a business degree in the first couple of years of my business career. I was working in construction management. And um, yeah, what I found myself, I found myself as the uh, lead scheduler on a $100 million hospital project and sitting in boardrooms with 50-year-old engineers and architects and construction management professionals looking, going, is this where I want to be in 30 years? And uh, <laughs> my, my answer was no. So what I found is that I was, it's not that I hated the work. In fact, I had a lot of responsibility and I appreciated the challenge, but I felt ambivalent about the work. I just, I, it didn't really light me up. And so I, like many people, went through a career transition. I ended up hiring a coach and work with a coach to look at my transferable skills and where I could apply them. And I ended up uh, getting certified as a coach. And shortly thereafter, ran into an old friend of mine, Kurt, and we've been business partners ever since. So we started up Numi.com, as you mentioned, um, as a venture to take this concept of coaching and put it online and make it more accessible and more available. And so that was really the start of the journey. 
And more recently, we have focused on a couple different uh, things, one of which is psychological safety, and the other is interpersonal skills and really honing in on what that means and how to improve them. And, um, and the first psychological safety endeavor really came about because actually both of the uh, interpersonal skills focus and psychological safety have come about because uh, we really wanted to look at how to make s- coaching better and how to measure the ROI and how to make sure that when we are delivering coaching services, we could say with confidence, here's the value that we're generating for your business. And so that led us down a few rabbit holes of really exploring different ways of measuring the impact of coaching. And one of those is psychological safety. That's what I loved about psychological safety initially is that you can measure it. It's this psychological construct. And we all know that psychology is kind of a messy playground, right? It's not like engineering or science um, there's uh, not always an exactness, especially when you start dealing with humans, because we're not always rational. And so um, I really uh, migrated or appreciated psychological safety for that one main f- um, value of it is that it can be measured. And then the interpersonal skills came about because, again, we we're looking at, well, why does coaching work and how do we make it better? And that led us to a bunch of research in counseling because counseling is a much more mature industry. And so there's a lot more research on the topic. And what we know within counseling is that there's a big variance between the best counselors and the worst counselors. The best counselors, uh, what what the research points to with pretty good evidence is that the best counselors have the best interpersonal skills and those interpersonal skills, they've developed methods of measuring them and assessing them. And so we've taken a lot of that research and applied it into the world of business and leadership to look at what are the interpersonal skills that the best leaders possess to maintain and foster psychological safety. So that's the full package there. Excellent. Oh, that's great. That's great. Thank you. So, yeah, we, we've you've started. We've started to talk about psychological safety there. Um, let, let's start by defining what we mean by psychological safety. I've heard a lot. Uh, you, well, uh, there's been a lot more. Uh, it, it's entered into the vocabulary, I think, and, and the vernacular for, for, for in a lot of organisations now, as as have a lot of terms related to mental health and mental well being and and you know self care uh, have all become more 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 identifiable i think following the pandemic and 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 the kind of lockdowns that we all experienced and and uh, so but i'm interested because because i've heard multiple definitions of psychological safety all all fairly consistent i must say but i'd be interested to know what yours is before we then dive into it and and explore the concept as it is and you know and what we can do to to uh, to to foster it within our organizations yeah, the definition is definitely a good place to start. I talk about it so much that I often forget that not everybody uh, might understand what it is. And yet the words, if you just say psychological safety, people will draw some some sort of assumption about what that means. And I think often they'll lean towards the mental health side of it. Uh, I think they're related. The definition, I'll provide two. The first is from Amy Emmonson that folks are perhaps familiar with, which is it's the belief that within your work environment or within your team, you can speak up, you can say what's on your mind, you can express concerns, you can even admit mistakes. 
And you can do all of that without fear of reprimand or some sort of social consequence. Um, you know, if you think about, uh, I think we can all relate to being in a classroom when we were kids and not wanting to stick your hand up because you might fear that others are going to think you're stupid or <laughs> something like that, right? So it's not necessarily about if I speak up, I'm going to get fired. Uh, it's more about that social consequence of someone might yeah. think I'm stupid or think I'm oppositional or, you know, what are other people going to think of me when I speak up in a in in this particular environment? So that's the first definition. And then our definition, the one that we use in our training is that for leaders, especially you want to create an environment where people have the courage to speak up and the confidence to know they'll be heard. So again, it's the courage to speak up and the confidence to know they'll be heard. And, and we added that second half to our definition because we noticed at the beginning of the pandemic there was uh, Black Lives Matter and, you know, folks protesting. And what's true about protesters is, yeah, they have the courage to speak up. And yet that's not enough, right? It's not enough. Protesters feel the need to protest because they haven't been heard <laughs> up until that point in time. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, if people are starting to protest, that's a problem for your business, especially, right? Or for your team. Um, so we want to nip that in the bud by making sure that throughout people have the confidence that when they do speak up and they express concerns, uh, that they'll be heard, they'll be appreciated uh, much sooner <laughs> so that people don't have to resort to protesting. <laughs> Okay, no, I think that's a really useful definition, and 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 in terms of uh, you know, I guess from the definition you've given there, it's 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 fairly self apparent, but but just in case it isn't, why should we really care about psychological safety using that working definition then, and you know, it, it, using kind of the air quotes, what's the business case? Is is there data and science that that links? you know, kind of better engagement, more productive, better retention, less turnover, that sort of thing that to an organization that inherently is psychologically safe to work in? I think the best uh, business case it comes out of the research done by Google. So if anybody is familiar with Project Aristotle, what did Google do? They asked the question, what makes an effective team? And what they did is they went around their organization asking all the different leaders and executives saying, what do you think matters for an effective team? And they came up with 250 different factors. Then they correlated that with a performance. So they had ranked 180 Google teams. So they knew who the best teams were and they knew who the weakest teams were. And they went ahead and ranked them all and correlated it with these 250 factors. And guess what? Nothing correlated. So then they came across the concept of psychological safety in the academic research, and they applied that to their data set. And suddenly, lo and behold, they discovered the number one factor correlating with high performance. So, uh, and, and the data was already there in the academic journals and research. There was evidence that psychological safety is a high, is a factor or number one or most important, one of the most important, if not the most important factors for high performance. And you have to scratch your head and go, why is that? Why is psychological safety such an important factor? And it comes down to our current work environment and the world that we're living in. I think a hundred years ago, psychological safety probably wasn't nearly as relevant because the rate of change just wasn't as big as it is now. Uh, 
when you think about all the different technologies that are being introduced to the world and with such with much more speed, right? If you look at 50 years ago, how long did it take, or maybe it was 70 years ago, however long it took for half of the population to have a television. It was something like a decade. And then you fast forward to the most recent technology innovations like TikTok. How long did it take for TikTok to be embraced and adopted by half the population? It's something like months, you know, we're not counting in years anymore. We're talking months. Um, and you know, something like Facebook, it's, it's more popular than any religion that's ever been on the face of the earth. You know, it's, it's arguably the most popular thing ever. Uh, so, um, that rate of change is what requires teams and multidisciplinary teams so often to be able to solve problems. And how do teams learn? How do teams solve problems together? It's by being able to communicate openly and say, hmm, I ran into a problem here. Hmm, I'm seeing a mistake over there. Hmm, I'm on the front lines and I'm observing this. I need to communicate that to someone else, right? Like that exchange of information is absolutely essential for innovating. And yeah. so if you're yeah. in a work environment that requires teams to solve problems, you need psychological safety. If on the other hand, you just have a production line and you just want people to do the thing over and over again, 150 million times consecutively in a row without change, maybe psychological safety is not as important there. But I reckon that just about every industry has been touched by technology pretty significantly in the last 10 to 20 years. And if you're not facing some form of change, you're going to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just, just sort of where you, the way you've defined psychological safety and, and I guess it's easy to kind of relate to on an individual level. And, and I'm just, I just like to sort of now think about how that kind of then scales up into organizations and, and teams and the kind of culture within the team. So from a kind of, a, you know, a kind of team wide and organizational perspective, and this might get into some of the work that you do in kind of in terms of diagnostics and that sort of thing. What, 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 what would it, what would it look like if I went into an organization where there, you know, there's a good level of psychological safety or whether it, you know, the organization recognizes that psychological safety, there's that, there's that openness, there's that sort of, that the, the, the people feel as though they can, they can speak without, you know, you know kind of having any uh, repercussions or negative repercussions from that. And I guess, you know, in link to what you're saying is, 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 is that there's a, there's no group, you know, it challenges that group think where we kind of just all make, you make a kind of a very, very, uniform vanilla decisions and no one's willing to stand up and and kind of the emperor's new clothes sort of thing well what does that look like in a kind of an organizational and a team context from a from from your perspective yeah well i'm going to offer a metaphor here for the listeners remember or think of the uh morning news individual who uh tells you the weather for the day. You know, they have this big map of uh, maybe the state or the entire country and there's various weather patterns across the country. Imagine your organization is like that. It's a map. It's a geographic physical area that covers uh, a very fairly um, uh, broad geographic area. And when you zoom out and you look at the organization from that point of view, 
you're going to see different weather patterns, right? On the East Coast, there might be some heat and sunshine. On the West Coast, you might see some flurries and cooler temperatures. And in the middle, maybe you have something else going on. And, um, and so I relate that weather system to your culture. Uh, you know, your, your culture is the weather system and psychological safety. Think of it as the, the temperature in the different regions. So you might have hot in one area, cold in another, wet in another. And so you think about your different departments within your organization. You might have an overarching culture that you're bringing forth within your organization and you're going to have different temperatures and those different temperatures are likely related to psychological safety. And that's the way I think about it because psychological safety within a smaller work environment is, a, is like the microclimate and you can adjust that. You can work, you can tweak that. Whereas tweaking the entire weather system is a little bit more difficult. And so I see being able to adjust the psychological safety within departments or smaller teams as, as the, the lever, it's the ability, no, I, we have much greater ability to change that. And what's one of the key factors that influences the psychological safety in each one of those, uh, microclimates, it's the leader. The leader is often setting the tone, whatever, um, temperament that individual brings to the work will pervade throughout their team. We know that to be true. We know that the leader and the manager has an outsized influence on the psychological safety experience by the team members. Hmm. Okay. And, and uh, what, what are some of the tools and techniques that organizations can use then? If, if, if what, how can they, I guess, A, they can, they diagnose psychological safety and the degree of psychological safety within their, their culture almost like how do they kind of, what's the weather satellite, I guess, for, for using your metaphor, but also then, you know, if we identify there's a problem or an issue with with uh, with with psychological safety, how do we how do we start to um, improve, develop, refine, enhance that within within that team or within that that sort of that locale where we've identified there's a there's a there's a there's a, there's a, uh, a weather issue. <laughs> Yeah, well, the first thing is knowing what the weather is. <laughs> so let's measure the temperature in all the different departments, right? So that's that mm. diagnosis diagnosis piece you mentioned. And we yeah. can measure psychological safety across an entire organization. Or you can also uh, ask individuals to assess the psychological safety of their team. So the context really matters. In other words, you can ask someone, to what degree do you feel psychologically safe, let's say, within your own team that you manage? And then what's the degree of psychological safety you, you feel within your, say, your management team or your leadership team, right? Because often we're in multiple teams. And just because you feel psychologically safe in one team doesn't mean you're going to feel psychologically safe in another team. And what's so interesting with leaders is sometimes I've seen the leader feel the most psychologically safe because it's their team, right? They feel, I can say and say what I need and want, and I feel empowered to do so. And then I'll see other managers that feel the opposite because they feel like every word they say is scrutinized and they have to be particularly uh, careful about any word choices they use. And so it just causes them to feel less psychologically safe. And I find that really uh, rather fascinating. Um, but the, the point is to measure it in all the different areas. And so we try to administer the assessment at for sure at a team-based level. So not just at the, you know, tell me how psychologically safe you feel in 
within your organization. It's rather within your team. That gives us really good data to be able to put it on a map and see where all the hot and the cold spots are. And it allows organizations to be a little more um, laser focused in where they place their resources. And so the first thing we would do, um, and I'm sure there's many ways to approach this and you likely have an approach for how you would improve a corporate culture and team performance and so on. The way we would do it is to just put the results in the middle of the room and say, all right, team A, here you go. Here's the results that we found. Uh, Let's have a discussion about it. And what we show is the score. So the average score for psychological safety, and we look at the variance. So if if you have a seven out of 10 and everybody thinks it's a seven out of 10, that's a lot different than we have a seven out of 10 average, but half the team feels like a nine out of 10. And then the other half feels as though it's a five out of 10, right? Those are completely different results, even though the average score is the same. So we want to have a conversation about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can also break down psychological safety into sub dimensions. So we look at for example, the willingness, uh, uh, the, the report that is generated for us um, looks at the willingness to help, looks at diversity and equity and inclusion. So how, to what degree people feel included within the team, because that's an aspect of psychological safety. We look at tolerance for risk and failure, so attitude towards risk and failure. And the last one is, oh, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> but the point is we can we can break yeah. it down and we can say, okay, we're not just going to look at psychological safety, which sometimes feels like this amorphous thing. Yeah, we're going to yeah, look at yeah. to what degree do we feel like we can, oh, the fourth one is open conversation. Yeah. To what degree do we feel like we can have those challenging conversations? And, yeah. and then we can try to pinpoint where the real problems are and what we need to do about it. And it's not about us imposing solutions on the team. It's about the team figuring it out and saying, huh, geez, I'm noticing that um, I, it's really hard for me to ask others for help because everyone gets zoned in on their computer and they got their earphones on. And, um, you know, this is back when we weren't working virtually and I just find it really hard to interrupt someone. I don't want to interrupt them and yet I need their help in that moment. So how do we overcome that? What kind of norms can we set so that I feel okay to ask a question when I need help? And do you find there's, there's any sort of paradox in that? I guess in it, well, you, the way you do that, which I think is a great way to do it. And I, I, and I, it's a, it's a very powerful technique, which is to sort of present them with the information and raw data and then say, you know, where, where do we go? You know, where, where has this come from and how do we, how do we fix it? Do you find there's a, there's a, maybe an inherent paradox there? And if there's, if you've got a team that feels inherently psychological unsafe, uh, and you're presenting them with information with the, with the intent of them then speaking up and saying why they feel unsafe, that then the almost like they don't like they don't feel like speaking up and talking about it do you have to i guess you have to create an environment and a uh, where that you're almost sort of temporarily maybe hopefully permanently but maybe temporarily for that for that one conversation of that conversation or series of conversations you're, you're kind of increasing the sense of psychological safety is that something you find you have to do if a team is inherently unwilling to speak because its psychological safety is low yeah, hundred percent. I mean, first of all, that points to the skill of the facilitator, right? The facilitator needs to be particularly mm. skilled at being able to create that. We call it the container, you know, create that container of trust. And secondly, uh, we also often before debriefing, 
especially the first time we debrief the results with the team, is we will interview the individuals and get a sense for where they're coming from. So we're not blindsided. We're far more understanding of the dynamics within the team, the history that was there, who joined the team when and why and what the what the conflicts might be. So um, that allows us to be a little bit more prepared for what might emerge. And then the next is setting ground rules, setting ground mm. rules for how we communicate within that work environment because mm. we want to really avoid those, you know, you statements, you do it this way, you, and instead transition those into I statements. So I feel intimidated when this happens, or I get frustrated when I observe this, um, as opposed to, you know, finger pointing what that's what we don't want. So some coaching and some training and some ground rules around how to communicate to be heard and understood is, is really valuable. Yeah. And and um, you mentioned there about, uh, you know, kind of old world, new world, you know, the last three years and the fact that now we've got huge amounts of organizational populations working either remotely, full time or, or in a hybrid way. What do you see the... What, have, what do you see as the positive impact of that in terms of psychological safety, but also maybe some of the more detrimental impacts of the way we're working now in, in organizations? Well, I'd say the positive impact is that there were these social movements, right? Like uh, Black Lives Matter and, mm. and suddenly we can talk about mental health and say, you know what, I'm really stressed and I need a day mm. off and it's okay and you're not going to be vilified for it. So I think the degree of psychological safety has increased across the board because of that. Mm. And, um, and the detrimental side, well, that's a good question. I, I think a lot of teams have been able to and have figured out how to work remotely. And yet I think there's pretty good data and evidence out there that points to the need for teams to work together in person, especially when there's a high need for innovation. I mean, we already talked about Mm. that. Um, And, you know, just the way teams can interact when they're all together versus having to do so remotely, I think there's still something there that um, it's hard to beat. You know, it's hard to Mm. beat when you're working in a remote environment because what's going to end up happening in a remote environment is people end up working independently a greater degree of the time a greater Mm. percentage of the time rather. And so um, that might be the cost, but I don't know if there's a cost to individual um, satisfaction or anything. It's really more about the innovativeness of the teams. Mm. I mean, what what have you observed, Craig? Yeah, I know. I I was going to say, because one of the things I, I, I've kind of reflected on from a personal level, I mean, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I've worked, for homework for 15, 17, 15, 16. I, I, every time I, I really think about it, I have, there's another year usually gone by, but, 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 uh, you know, I've been working for uh, virtually for, for a long time and solo working and, you know, using, using technology to, to communicate with clients. I do think from an, but from an organizational perspective, I do think one of the things I've observed is it, it, it's, 
you know, for the first few months, it was like brilliant. You know, everybody could work from home and we could kind of do all these things that we'd kind of talked about for years and, you know, seemed like sort of science fiction uh, up until recently. But now I do think I'm kind of noticing, and again, I was going to ask you this question because I guess a, a large degree of, of that element of psychological safety is linked to, you know, being able to not just listen to the words that people are saying, but also be able to sort of observe, you know, you're telling me this, but I'm kind of sensing this. And, and I do think we, we've kind of been fighting with one arm behind, tied behind our back from a kind of nonverbal comms perspective with, with, with um, you know, all this fantastic technology. And I do think there's a sort of a, I use the analogy, sometimes you're managing a team looking through the keyhole and, you know, you can, it's very difficult to kind of get that sense of, of group energy and where we're going and 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 you know i think that's a kind of a fundamental human sort of need that we have so so whilst i do you know i share i share your your um you know the kind of i, I think i see a lot of positive benefits you know the kind of visibility of managers you know kind of ceos stepping up and being visible and you know kind of having access into their you know their 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 personal lives as well and seeing them as human beings i think has been very kind of leveling in that respect i do sense there's also a kind of a you know a lot of people very stressed and kind of going from one meeting to another and never really being able to fully connect with each other that, that i still think we've not fathomed that out yet that's my kind of take on it um not saying that's you know that's just my my own personal views but um it, i do think we still we're still kind of in the early stages of getting our head around this stuff well clearly in the early stages but in terms of how we optimize it and how we get the best out of it from this sort of from the sort of perspective of what we're talking about today i don't know what, you, what your thoughts are yeah, on no, my I, ramblings I, I, I agree i think we're i think we share a lot of the same perspectives there yeah Greg. yeah absolutely yeah 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 just 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 to sort of you kind of bring things to a close uh stefano is that the, 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 a lot of our listeners are, are kind of working in you know kind of corporate comms they're, they're working on big big comms projects or big comms initiatives or using you know a lot of these channels i guess that we've kind of alluded to there uh, you know whether it's it's for kind of two-way comms or direct you know face or kind of more kind of broadcast type comms um i'm just interested on in your thoughts around you know how we because clearly what you, your approach and, and quite rightly so is very very kind of organic and it's very kind of one-to-one and, and and also one to team and but also what when we operate at scale and we are kind of communicating some of these big organizational message organizational messages is there something we can do to embed psychological safety into that process or, or the way we use those channels that that means that people aren't off feeling as though they're just being talked at or broadcast to or they haven't got a voice in that sort of environment well, what are your thoughts on that stefan yeah the thing that i've been really trying to focus myself on 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 my communication uh comes down to this concept that we call interpersonal responsiveness so what is that? It's the ability to recognize when there might be some form of a rupture and mm. being able to address it and move toward it as opposed to avoiding it or pretending like it didn't happen. And so what that requires is having a pulse on where the organization is at. Mm. So it's one thing, to, one thing to say, hey, folks, we're moving in direction A. Let's all charge forward to direction A. And if you can't acknowledge where we are right now, where people are feeling right now, 
it's mm. a lot harder to get them to move to point A. I think it's much easier and more powerful when you can say, I understand where you are right now. I understand mm. where we are uh, sort of physically or psychologically or spiritually, and this is where we're heading. Um, because that can that's a much more powerful way of connecting with people, right? If you mm. can mm. articulate what they're thinking and experiencing and and communicate that to them, they're going to think, oh gosh, you, yeah, you, you're right. That is the way I'm feeling. Yeah. That, yeah. that is the way I'm uh, experiencing work right now. And so that requires you to be really kind of tapped into the zeitgeist, if you will, or the, the prevailing attitudes within the work environment and acknowledging mm. them. And they mm. might be good. They might be bad. You might, uh, who knows, right? You're going to have all sorts of ranges depending on on the day and what's going on in the world and what's going on within your organization. So being able to openly address them um, is is really powerful. And I, I think we really saw that with the pandemic, right? There were, yeah. uh, there's a great story there, uh, maybe a, a six weeks to eight weeks into the pandemic, I reached out to a friend of mine who um, is a learning and development manager at an organization. And he has about 500 managers that work within his organization. And so he just started informally reaching out to all of them having one-on-ones and just saying, uh, what's going on? How's your team? And what he said is, gosh, it's bimodal. I have two different types of managers. There's the Mm. first manager who's saying, yeah, I'm stressed to the max because my team's stressed and they're telling me how stressed they are and they're wanting answers and I don't have answers. (laughs) And then there's another (laughs) manager saying, yeah, I'm stressed to the max. I don't know what's going on. And and then when he says, well, how's your team? They, they say, um, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. so you yeah. had one manager who's tapped into their team and the other manager that's not. And so I think even if you don't have an answer in terms of what's going to happen and where we're going, you need to at least acknowledge, I know you're all uncertain and I'm uncertain too. And we're going to try to solve this as soon as possible. So yeah. Just acknowledging yeah. that where we're at and the anxiety or stress or excitement, whatever sentiment that's prevailing you need to be able to acknowledge that yeah and i think that's a really important point that you know emphasize it's been emphasized by other guests talking about other areas but i think you know it's 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 great that they can kind of converge on this importance for 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 anyone who's in a role you know whether you're a leader of a team or whether you're managing a big you know organizational corporate communications department which is empathy and understanding and knowing the kind of having your finger on the pulse of what people are really thinking of feeling and and communicating you know, not like you're kind of, you know, you, you know, you, you've got your fingers in your ears is, and, you know, hear nothing, see nothing, say nothing that you're actually recognizing that the people are thinking and feeling in a way, even though it may not be comfortable to talk about that, but, but to recognize it and, and, and reflect that, but also to, to build a sense of, of, you know, we'll be okay. And we will work through this, not in a, just a kind of blindly, uh, optimistic way, but, but, but the, in a kind of a, a sort of reassuring way that, 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 together we can fathom this out uh, you know is really important i think and i think that's a really important message for anyone who's listening to this who you know kind of works in those sort of environments that, that psychological safety is highly relevant and it's kind of the essence of, of, of what you should be doing as a, as a as a um as a leader of this topic I just want to wrap up then, Stefan, just just to sort of bring everything to a conclusion. So I think it's it's been really, I think we've done a really good job there of, of explaining your, you know, the definition of psychological safety, but also something that's very workable. And we've kind of talked about the business case, um, and then you've also shared, you know, kind of how you measure it and and, and some of the tools and approaches that you use to sort of 
to to help organizations with that it, it just just before we close out any any kind of sort of our, our get our our um listeners always like kind of low-hanging fruit and you know what what's something i can do now today tomorrow immediately that i can kind of you know kind of embrace this and use this in my in my work have you got any kind of sort of go-to tips for people who want to who want to kind of say right i want to i want to do something to increase psychological safety with my team or in my comms what what, what, what would you say to them as a sort of a a relatively quick win obviously you don't want to be too superficial well the first thing i'd suggest is for folks to really just tune into it so in a way don't mm. need to do anything except observe so mm. really you know, imagine you have these little antenna, right? Um, you have these social antenna that are tuning into what's going on in your team, within your work environment, and also for yourself, just start noticing what are some of the topics that y- bring you anxiety, Yeah, right? When uh, there's certain events that occur within your team, what are those events that cause you to clam up a little bit and just, just tense up just a little bit or even maybe a lot? And start noticing that for other people as well. Like what are, what are conditions that will cause some people to speak up and others not? And mm. just start observing that and making notes and recognizing, hmm, person A tends to dominate the conversation. Hmm, how do I get person B to speak up a little bit more? Just start noticing what might be happening. And then you can do a little bit of outreach. So rather than you trying to fix the problem, like for example, if person A is dominating the conversation, person B tends to be really reluctant to speak up, go talk to person B, go talk to person A. What did you notice in our last meeting? What did you notice in in our last meeting? And then uh, ask how they might, what they might need to be able to uh, speak up a little bit more for person B and for person A, mm. in, invite them to uh, be a little more curious. Like, how could you be a little more curious? Like, I noticed you did most of the talking there. I'd love to hear from other people as well. How, how might you mm. be and demonstrate a little more curiosity in the meeting? So uh, that all starts with that keen antenna and that obser- observation skill. Mm. Yeah, and I think yeah, again, I I like that because it kind of relates to um, you know some of my work that I do with with teams uh, where we look at help them to look at you know basically in those sort of situations you know both of those things could be perceived to be strengths someone who's quiet reflective and thinks a lot you know well how do i get you to turn share some of those things that you're clearly reflecting and thinking on and obviously the people who like to talk a lot you know that's great how can we convert that energy into you know kind of listening to other people's ideas so you can integrate them into your ideas going forward and make your ideas even better and it's it's how you build on people's you look at everything as a strength and and work on that rather than you know kind of tackling it as a weakness because because you know all, all strengths overplayed become weaknesses and vice versa so um yeah yeah so yeah that's really really good 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 tip there i'm going to ask you stefan have you got any um any i'm going to put your linkedin profile uh, into the into the show notes so people can find you if they want to reach out to you personally i assume that's okay but have you got any any other links that you'd like me to put into the show notes just for our listeners that we can kind of call out now on the on the audio so people know that know that uh, that that's what we're sharing with them yeah absolutely so first of all as you mentioned you're going to put my linkedin uh on there and please connect with me i'd love to have you uh, join in my journey as we move along and creating 
greater, safer work environments for folks out there. So uh, please do that. And what I'd also love, I mentioned the fact that psychological safety can be measured. So I uh, would love to have your listeners take me up on a free psychological safety assessment for their team. And um, what we didn't mention is, uh, so yes, we started up NUMI years ago and more recently we we spun out a, a separate brand for all of our psychological safety-based work, and that's Zarango. So Zarango.com. And that's okay. where you can find the free psychological safety assessment. So there's a mini little form. Just fill that out, and we'll get back in touch with you. And that page to find is um, – it's not naviga- – you, you won't find any navigation toward it. It's yeah. purely for yeah. our podcast listeners. So it's Zarango.com okay. forward slash free PSI. So free PSI. PSI stands for psychological safety index. So it's okay, all well, I'll get that, I'll get that I'll get that URL URL off you uh, after we finish recording and I'll make sure we get that into the uh, into the show notes as well so if people people are listening I know it's always a challenge when when you're listening to a podcast I listen to lots of podcasts when I'm out, I'm out running or, or at the gym and you kind of think I'll do that and then remembering to follow up on it so I think that's a great offer Stefan and uh, hopefully you'll we'll get some uh, some of our listeners taking you up on that because that sounds like a very generous uh, generous thing so um Excellent. Well, on that note, then I will uh, will close things out. So, just to say thank you so much, Stefan, for sharing your your wisdom, your knowledge, your experience, and and uh, your insights there. And um, I wish you all the best. Wish you all the best for the the impending weekend at the time of recording. I know you've got a bit longer to wait for it than I have, but um, I, I just thank you so much for your time. And uh, hopefully, our paths will cross again in the future. Craig, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity, and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. If you've got any ideas for episodes you'd like us to cover in future, you can email us at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk or you can use the feedback form at engagingic.com. If you're not already subscribed to the show via your podcast platform, please do so. And if you could leave a review for us, that would be absolutely fantastic. We have links to other episodes at engagingic.com. All of our previous episodes are available there. And if you're interested in our visual communication services, our big pictures, our learning maps, our explainer videos, and also our live graphic recording, please get in touch with us again at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk. Thank you.